0: Welcome to So Now What?, a bi-weekly podcast of the ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. Join hosts Michelle Patnode, W3MVP, and Joe Karsha, NJ1Q, as they offer information, support, and encouragement for those starting their journey into the world of amateur radio. So Now What? is brought to you by LDG Electronics. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art automatic antenna tuners and related products for every amateur need. Check them out at ldgelectronics.com asking questions. That's how you get the advice and insight you need to go from new license holder to ham radio veteran. And the first question is, so now what?
1: You're listening to If you already know how to use Morse code, you know what we just said. However, if you don't, you're listening to So Now What?
2: So now what?
1: I'm Michelle Patno, W3MVP. Here with me is co-host Joe Karsha and J1Q.
2: Hi, Michelle, and welcome to all of our podcast listeners. This is the Morse code episode, isn't it?
1: I believe that is correct. Yes,
2: we're going to be talking about Morse code, cool things about Morse code. No, we're not going to be teaching them Morse code. That's something that they have to do if they're interested. But, uh, yeah, the Morse code episode, just what it is, why it's a cool mode to communicate with, and um, the fun you can have with it. I have fun with it.
1: Joe actually just did Morse code saying, so now what?
2: With the question marks. Everybody says, what was that last one at the end?
1: Yeah, If you guys didn't figure that out already, that's what was happening. Yeah,
2: that was <laughs> that, that was <laughs> so now what question mark. And I say the question mark in case somebody's going, yeah, but where's the question mark? No, it, it was in there. That was that did dit da, da, did it. That was the uh, question mark.
1: Now, if you don't know what the dit did, da's are, Joe will explain.
2: I'll explain the dit did, da's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we have to have a little bit of history. We're not going to go into really like, oh, great, we're in history class, but um, a little bit of history behind Morse code.
1: Yeah, no, Joe, that's a great idea. Yeah. So. Okay, so you're going to give us some history on Morse code. Now, most things are named after a person. Who's Morse?
2: Well, Morse was Samuel F.B. Morse. He was an inventor. And he actually did a lot of things. We know him for Morse code. And, of course, it's named Morse code after him. But he is also one of three inventors involved with the invention of the telegraph, the original sounding device that was used to send messages over telegraph lines. Well... He was doing this with two other individuals, and again, we're not going to go into the, into the specifics, but he created this code, a way of sending letters and numbers and some punctuation marks over telegraph lines, because obviously they had not really invented voice communications, so they had to have some symboling, some way to identify letters and numbers, so uh, essentially the Morse code was created. We know Morse code as Morse code or CW, continuous wave. But back then, Morse code was not called CW, was not called continuous wave. It was just called Morse code.
1: So Morse code is obviously Morse code, but we've started calling it CW. Joe, where does the term CW come from? What is that?
2: Well, CW stands for continuous wave. And how can we put it? CW is Morse code, but Morse code was not always CW. See what I did there? Kind of played with it a little bit.
1: Ha, ha, ha. I <laughs> Everyone's
2: <laughs> sitting there going, okay, but what is CW? Well, CW, again, stands for continuous wave. We have to look at the history of Morse code and how it was generated. So Morse code was transmitted originally by generating a high-voltage spark or arc. And that energy from that arc was sent through a little LC or a little inductor and capacitor circuit and then into a tuned antenna, and it was transmitted. Now, think of the physics as this. You're listening to your radio during a thunderstorm. Why we do that? Some of us are crazy. But anyway, you're listening to your radio and there happens to be a thunderstorm, and there's a lightning strike, and you may notice that when that lightning strike strikes, you hear a little crackle, a little noise in that radio. Well, it's the same physics. That lightning strike has generated RF or radio frequency interference through the entire RF spectrum. Now, early radio operators, I can't really use the term ham radio operators, but early radio operators figured out that if they can generate a high enough voltage, and they can tune it and put it into tuned antennas and so on. They can transmit messages using this spark, this arc technology, given the technology of the time. And if you were listening to it, it sounded something like this. And Michelle, it's going to sound a little funny because I'm going to make this in my mouth. <laughs> but uh, it's going <laughs> to. So for our listeners out there, bear with me because I have really no way to generate an arc here. But if you were listening to it on some form of receiving device it would sound like it would have that sound to it.
1: That was a pretty good impression, Wasn't a good impression. That was pretty Is good. good. <laughs> thank you.
2: Thank you. you know, uh, I'll pass the hat around later. And, uh, But because they were using Morse code to make and break the high voltages, you had Morse code intelligence behind that signal. You're essentially breaking and making the voltages. And... was a cool technology and that worked very well the downside to generating morse code you notice we're not using cw but generating morse code with that method is that it generates a lot of harmonics you know multiple signals off the fundamental it would generate lots of harmonics it was very broad you, you didn't have a nice narrow signal like you have today and what can you do? Back then, it's like, well, this is the only technology we have. Around the time that they had vacuum tubes, tubes, and they were able to generate a tone, the inventors of the time realized that they can generate a tone, and putting Morse code intelligence behind it, they can now transmit this audio tone. Well, the audio tone obviously is much cleaner overall than, say, an arc, or a spark. And I'm not going to get into damped waves or undamped waves. And if our listeners are really, really curious, I would suggest they look up damped waves and undamped waves to determine where do we actually get that whole terminology about Morse code and continuous wave and so on. But by generating a tone, it's cleaner. Well, we can't call it just Morse code anymore, even though it still is Morse code. It's now continuous wave because if you were looking at the wave on a scope or something like that, you would not see all these little harmonics and fundamentals and so on. So it's really a term that came around when the radio operators, inventors, had determined that they can send actual audio tones over the air, over RF, as opposed to generating a noisy spark. For visitors to w one ew they've probably seen Old Betsy, which was Hiram Percy Maxim, who happened to be our founder and first president. It was Hiram Percy Maxim's rotary spark gap transmitter. Essentially, it consists of a four-point armature that's spinning at about 2,000 RPM, and it comes in close contact, but not touching two points on either side of the armature. And for the demonstration, we will generate 12,000 volts AC. Not enough to really kill you, but more than enough to send you across the room if you were to touch it. Anyway, that 12,000 volts is placed across those two points. The spinning armature comes really close without actually touching the point. The air breaks down, and an arc is generated. Now, that arc energy, the energy from that spark or arc, is passed through some circuitry. Then it goes through an oscillation transformer and then eventually into a light bulb, which lights depending upon the strength of the arc. Because we are making and breaking that high voltage with a Morse code key, the Morse code key Hiram Percy actually used, we are now generating Morse code. Well, about the time that they had determined they can send audio tones over the air, as opposed to a noisy arc, because it's, it's noisy, the FCC at the time, the Federal Communications Commission, had decided to outlaw the use of spark transmissions. Going back to the notion that, well, they're broadbanded, they have harmonics, it's not very band efficient, as opposed to this nice, clean tone, which I will now demonstrate <laughs> when I send CW in Morse code. I'm going to send Morse code in Morse code. Does that sound funny?
1: It definitely sounds a little it's funny.
2: Definitely. I'm going to send Morse code to Morse code. Or I'm going to send CW to Morse code. So CW would be... That's CW. So I sent CW in CW.
1: But technically Morse code. But
2: technically Morse code, yes.
1: <laughs> with that being said, is there any other equipment you need to use Morse code or CW with using amateur radio?
2: Well, what we're using now for this podcast is a keyer, and I'm using what are called a set of paddles. There's two arms on either side that are used to generate the dits and the das, or the dots and the dashes. Let's think of the character itself of a of the letter A, which is one dot and one dash. A dot is a dot, one little dot. A dash is a dash. A dash is the essentially the length of three dots or dits. A dot is essentially a dot, and a dash is essentially the length of three dots or three dits. And that's universal. That's how you can determine a specific character using Morse code. Yeah, it can be sent really fast. We have this thing slowed down, but you can send it really fast. But anyway, what I'm using here is a keyer that we can use to generate Morse code tones. This particular keyer will actually key a transmitter for us. Now with most modern transceivers, and a couple that have a few years under their belt, these radios, these transceivers actually generated Morse code internally. So all you had to do was connect your keying device, whether it be a set of paddles, or a straight key, or things known as an electronic bug, or a side swiper. You connect these devices to your transceiver, set your transceiver to, or transmitter, to CW. It does not say Morse code. It says CW on the radio. And then you're able to transmit Morse code.
1: Awesome, thanks, Joe. And if you want to know how Joe's doing this, We actually have a quick, just less than 30-second video of Joe demonstrating a dot and a dash on the keyer. And you may even see a keyer that I actually soldered here at our very own lab at ARRL. And it is the Maker Key 2. It is by www.qrpme.com. You could see more about this at www.arrl.org. What-is-ham-radio. Dash 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 and the design is by W1REX.
2: And it's a cute little keyer. I mean, I really like this. It's, it's a straight keyer. It's the micro keyer 2. And it also has the little LED on it. And you're going to see it in operation in the video. But this is essentially what it sounds like. It has a buzzer on it. That's why. So I'm going to hold it up so it doesn't buzz. It doesn't buzz. The buzzer doesn't buzz. Huh?
1: That's a tongue <laughs> that's a, twister. <laughs> the buzzer
2: doesn't buzz, but so it doesn't buzz against the table, but it has a distinctive sound, and the LED lights and it's kind of cool. But you add some Morse code intelligence to it. Like I'll send, I will send CW, the, the letters C and W using CW. And if you were to hear that, you go, oh, that was CW. So that'll be on the video too.
1: And now a word from our
3: sponsor. Check out LDG's new baluns and Ununs. The RU 9-to-1 Unun matches in-fed long wire antennas to coax. And the RU 1-to-1 Choke helps keep RF out of your shack. All LDG baluns and Ununs are rated to 200 watts PEP and cover from 1 to 30 megahertz for all your HF matching needs. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing advanced quality products to the amateur market. Our focus is on anticipating our customers' needs and providing them with world-class support. Don't forget, LDG products carry a two-year warranty that is fully transferable when you sell it. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. LDG Electronics. Everywhere you look, there's an LDG. Welcome back to So Now What?
1: So I'm looking at Joe's Morse code key, and he actually has a set of paddles. The one that I soldered is actually a straight key. Joe, do we have more? Do we have different types? And can we use different ones for different things in amateur radio? Does it matter which one that you have? Or can you use all of them for everything?
2: <laughs> um, I would say that you can use all of them for everything. It's really cool. a, uh, a preference There's a lot of operators out there that love using a straight key, kind of like the key that you made. The straight key essentially is a simple make or break. You connect that make or break to an oscillator and you make or break the connection and you're generating either a dash or a dot. Now the duration of the dash or the dot you have to control because it's a simple make or break. So it takes a little while to get the good feel of how to make a nice clean Morse code or CW character. If you do it too fast or too slow, the Morse code could actually sound a little choppy and it may be difficult to copy on the other end. Now, as you mentioned, I'm using a set of paddles and the paddles control the keyer in such a way that one side generates just the dots, as I will demonstrate here. And the other side generates the dashes, as I shall also demonstrate. So you get the feel. You have to kind of practice, because none of us start out as expert CW operators. You have to get the feel as to how long you need to hold one side or the other. And once you get that feel, you can actually sit back and generate some really nice Morse code, because... Well, while the key here is generating the dits and the da's or the dots and the dashes, you're actually determining how long you have to hold each side. Now, there's a few other paddles, types. There's something called a side swiper. And yet, you do swipe left or right. <laughs> so one is the side swiper, where it's a single paddle, like right in the middle, and there's contacts on either side, and you have to, it's a horizontal lever, and you have to Hold it on either side to form the dots and the dashes. Of course, there's also the bugs, which are used by a lot of operators, whereas one side actually generates the dash. You have to kind of make the dash all by yourself. The other side, there's actually a small weight and a piece of spring metal. And this spring metal will actually kind of bounce because of the weight and it bounces and it makes the dots so you it it takes a lot of practice to be able to get the proper amount of swing to make the dashes and just to get the right feel to get this little weight to properly vibrate against the spring steel to make the dots i tried using a bug and it is really difficult i just cannot get the feel for the dits and the da's or the dots and dashes I started amateur radio using a straight key and a keyer into a transmitter, but as soon as I upgraded to using paddles, that's all I ever use anymore, and I find it is so much easier to generate Morse code using a set of paddles. But again, it's, it's personal preference. You can use any one of them.
1: So even though Morse code isn't required anymore in the amateur radio tests, we still encourage you to go out there and learn it because it's an international language. So for example, the letter A, it's going to translate the same in Italy or even Russia. It's all the same. And more importantly, Morse code goes through when voice communications can't. And it's also a really easy mode to generate. So with that being said, Joe... What would be the best way for a newer amateur radio operator to learn Morse code?
2: Well, Michelle, I'm glad you asked that (laughs) because, everyone, here comes the plug for W1AW. Yay! As a lot of hams know, uh, W1AW transmits Morse code practice and bulletins. And we do it on a daily schedule, on a daily basis. And we transmit Morse code practice from speeds being at five words a minute up to 35 words a minute. So if someone wants to listen to W1W's transmissions, all they have to do is go to the ARL's website and then just type in W1AW code practice, and you will get our schedule of on-air transmissions. And in my view, that's a cool way to learn it because you're Well, you're learning in real life, in real time. You're listening to Morse code. You're learning Morse code with the regular radio conditions, whether there be QR Nancy or noise generated from nature or QRM or interference from man-made sources or just regular band conditions. You're training yourself to hear Morse code as it's actually transmitted over the air. Now, of course, if you're not able to receive us over the air, we also provide what we call web code practice files, and those are available online also off the W1AW web We generate audio files. They're in MP3 format from 5 to 40 words a minute, and we also supply the text. So you can have the text alongside whatever player you're using on your browser, to listen to the Morse code and kind of copy along and see what text is being transmitted. Now, there's also something cool. There are awards available. Ooh! Awards are nice. I like awards. I like getting paper. A lot of us do.
1: Who doesn't? Who does
2: not? And the ARL has the Code Proficiency Award. And that is an award which we certify that essentially states that this individual copied this particular speed. And we normally provide a few code proficiencies a month from here, as well as our west coast. So we have west coast code proficiency transmissions, there's one a month for the benefit of west coast hams and all the other amateur operator operators out there. Now it's an award, and it essentially states you copied this particular speed. And we provide a schedule of that as well, and it's a really cool certificate. And we do thank ViberPlex for sponsoring that particular certificate. You can actually see it in QST. We now list those individuals who have applied for an initial code proficiency certificate or an endorsement to it. And by that I mean, for example, you start off by copying the 15-word-a-minute code proficiency in, say, this month. Next month you go, oh, well, I got the 15. I want to now copy the 20. Well, we will actually, assuming you copy the the text properly, we will send you an endorsement sticker to say, yes, you actually copied 20 words a minute code from W1NW or one of the West Coast stations. And I actually have the privilege of checking all that text that comes in. And if people think that I just rubber stamp these things No, I don't. We will actually look at the text to make sure that an individual copied that text character for character. Of course, in addition to W1EW, there are also a number of online resources. There are programs that can be downloaded that generate random sets of letters and other characters and numbers that you can use to copy. There are programs out there that will allow you to both listen to Morse code, but also key your particular transmitter if you want to have it do that. Now, granted, the keyer we used here will key a transmitter, but if you want to do it just using your computer, there are a number of resources out there. And there are so many different ones that it'd be hard to say, oh, well, go to this link or go to that link or go to this one. So we won't mention anything specifically except to say just Type in Google or Yahoo or whatever you use as a search engine, Morse code or Morse code training, Morse code learning, and you will see the number of resources that are out there.
1: Thanks, Joe. You know, that's really great information to provide everyone on the show.
2: Yes, because we it's CW Morse code. It is it it is a cool way to communicate. And not just that, oh, I know a secret code, it's that no one else can know. It's it's fascinating to be able to kind of sit back and have a conversation with Morse code, knowing that because as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, it is the international Morse code, and that I can be speaking with another amateur operator, operator thousands of miles away using Morse code and knowing that for the most part what I'm sending and what that amateur operator, operator is sending. Is one of the same thing, and we can actually communicate with each other. So there is a little bit of a magic to listening to Morse code. Now, Michelle, I'm sure that a lot of hams are probably a little uncertain about getting on the air and running Morse code, especially if you've just learned it. Well, it's always that encouragement. You should always get on the air and just start sending Morse code, and really. Send at a speed that you are comfortable with. A lot of us who started out as novices, we were running it five words a minute. Now, to me, five words a minute is rather slow, but I've also been running Morse code for a long time. But for many beginners, five words a minute is actually quite fast. But get on the air and send that CQ in Morse code. And if it sounds like someone might be going a little too fast, well, they may not know your copying speed. So an easy way to let them know to please slow down is to use the Q-signal QRS, which if I were to send this in Morse code, I'm gonna to try to send this without going too fast, would be QRS or... So that was the letters QRS. And For a beginner, they may go, man, that's a little fast. So we're just going to slow it down a little bit more. So if you're wanting to communicate with somebody and they're going too fast, you can just send them again, QRS. And that tells the other amateur operator operator to just please slow their Morse code down just a little bit to make the copying a little easier. And most hams, if not all, would accommodate you by saying, oh, okay, I was sending too fast and I'll just slow down. I do that because sometimes I'm so used to running not super high speed Morse code, but at a speed that I'm comfortable with may not necessarily be a speed that the other amateur operator is comfortable with. So I will always slow down if I'm asked to do so.
1: As always, if you have a question and want a chance of it being answered on the show, Send an email to So Now What at ARRL.org or go to our webpage, www.ARRL.org forward slash So Now What, and submit your question under the So Now What listener form. Don't forget to also rate and review So Now What on whatever platform you're listening to us on. We love getting your questions, feedback, and suggestions. Until next time on So Now What 73 73 and Can you guess, huh, Can you, Kenya? That was 73.
2: That was 73, yes, so.
1: In Morse code and CW. We out.
2: We out.
0: So Now What? is a production of the ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, and is sponsored by LDG Electronics. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art automatic antenna tuners and related products for every amateur need. Check them out at ldgelectronics.com. For more information on amateur radio or the ARRL, visit us on the web at www.arrl.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for ARRL. If you have a question or comment for Joe or Michelle, email us at sonowwhat at arrl.org or use the form on our website, www.arrl.org forward slash sonowwhat. This program is copyright of the ARRL and any unauthorized redistribution or rebroadcast is prohibited. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to SoNowWhat at Blueberry.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sabrina Jackson, KC1JMW, Administrative Manager of Radio Sport at the ARRL. Thanks for listening.